welcome to the Pennsylvania Chamber's All Business Podcast, featuring the perspectives and unique insights of the Commonwealth's most dynamic executives, entrepreneurs, and leaders. My name is Rick Moran. I'm the Director of Marketing for the PA Chamber. My name is Adam Frischer. I'm the Central Region Member Executive for the Pennsylvania Chamber. And this is Alan Norton, Workforce Development Executive with the Pennsylvania Chamber. Our guest today is Jen Strobel, Vice President of Human Resources for Flagger Force Traffic Control Services. And we had a great conversation with Jen. Um, Flagger Force is at the cutting edge of uh, workforce development. They've got a great program uh, for reentrance uh, that's just helping them fill their their workforce needs. And they've they've had to get extremely creative. And I was I was really impressed. Flagger Force is really uh, leading the way for workforce development. Uh, throughout the state. And I think it's reflective of the conversation that we had today with Jen. Uh, as you hear Jen talk about her program, you're going to hear how the detail and the attention that they put into their program. Uh, there's a reason they've been so successful. There's a reason they receive awards, nominations from some very prestigious uh, organizations. And I think it's all evident today. I want to take a second to thank today's sponsor, McNeese Wallace and Nurick. McNeese Wallace & Nurick is a full-service law firm that was established in 1935. With eight offices in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Maryland, and D.C., McNeese provides clients with a comprehensive range of legal services for businesses, public entities, educational institutions, and individuals in a wide range of areas, including but not limited to construction, corporate and tax, intellectual property, litigation, real estate, and estate planning. So we want to thank today's sponsor, McNeese Wallace & Nurick. All right, without any further ado, here's our conversation with Jen Stroll. Welcome, Jen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Rick. I appreciate it. Uh, can you just tell us quickly about Flagger Force and uh, what your role is in the organization? Sure. Um, Flagger Force is a temporary traffic control company. So that means we put the orange cones out on the road and help the traffic drive safely around anybody that's working on or near a roadway. And uh, my role as the leader of the HR department is really the strategic aspects of HR. So I focus on uh, workforce planning, our culture, change management, legal aspects, organizational structure, those types of things. Yeah, I can imagine with an organization like yours, you have a lot of uh, different uh, staffing challenges. Absolutely. Uh, we have um, employees in 11 different states, so our footprint has grown pretty large. Uh, we have about 1,700 employees, about 1,000 vehicles that we're responsible for, and um, we are hiring everything from entry level to executive positions and anything in between. So um, our needs are frequent and continuous. Yeah, I, I know. Um, and, and maybe Adam and, and Alan can chime in on this. I know when I see a PA chamber member, I always just tend to notice it. And I always notice Flagger Force when I see them out on the road. And, uh, you know, it, it's just something like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone other than Flagger Force doing doing the jobs that you do. And I, I definitely have a greater appreciation for it, uh, getting to know you all a little bit. Um, workforce is definitely uh, central to the focus of your mission, correct? And how did you uh, identify this as an opportunity for your organization? Yeah, we are very uh, committed to our employees um, as an organization, and workforce is incredibly important to us. 
we have multiple um, needs, like I said, across multiple states. And um, those continuous needs are um, can be a challenge to fill all the time. So we have a great business problem, but it's still a challenge, which is we have more business than we have the ability to fulfill. So um, it's it's a wonderful problem, but it but it is a problem. And so um, when the demand is greater than the supply, obviously you have to try to find a way to balance those needs. So we started looking at our employee base to find out how can we get more great employees? So we reached out directly to our current uh, employees and said, hey, what brought you here to Flagger Force? Um, what attracted you to the job? What do you like about the company? Those kinds of things. So we surveyed our employees um, through multiple event, um, avenues of surveys and got a lot of great feedback. And we started to hear some consistent themes and messages. So it was really our employees who gave us the answers that we were looking for. And um, what we started to hear is uh, a lot of people said, you gave me a chance when nobody else would. Uh, you gave me an opportunity to have a career when I couldn't find anything other than a typical uh, hourly job. So a lot of people have come to us from um, the warehouse world or your traditional retail or traditional fast food type situations where they didn't have a lot of career opportunities. They were kind of in a job. And that was a, a low wage entry level position, and there wasn't much opportunity for growth. When they came to Flyer Force, they saw our investment in training and education and development that um, at their first promotion, they could earn a company vehicle and that they had the ability to um, start to run a crew and have some responsibility. And that was very attractive to people. So, um, that was really what the foray into um, our workforce development program. Well, two things. I think it was smart of you to go to your employees to figure it out. Instead of you, you know, sitting there trying to figure out, like, how, how are we going to get people? Asking them was a very smart move because um, obviously they, they went through the process already. And then um, it sounds like, you know, by giving them this responsibility and this path, that, are you seeing like more loyalty, more retention? Does that help those efforts? Yes, Absolutely. So um, we define workforce development as um, more than just people that may have ha had challenges in the past due to um, a, uh, a criminal record or, or, or legal issues. We look at anybody that has barriers to employment, which those barriers uh, can really run the gamut. There's quite a few things that can limit somebody's ability to be able to work, uh, childcare, transportation, um, even just having charges against you, even though you are innocent until proven guilty, uh, people, don't, other employers don't always know how to review a background and recognize that charges don't necessarily uh, imply guilt. And, um, but that can be a limiting factor as well. So we started to really take a targeted approach to consider the unique needs and challenges of the people in the markets that we serve. 
And we wanted to look holistically at the individual. You know, what what is this person's full story? Um, we, we looked at just because you did something once in your life that you're not proud of or hasn't gone well does not mean that makes you a bad human being or a bad employee. Uh, you're just human like the rest of us and you've made a mistake and now you're trying to overcome it. And when we find people that are genuinely trying to overcome those challenges, they are um, so committed. They are so dedicated. They are so loyal. They just, they're really begging for an opportunity. And it's, it's really fulfilling um, as an employer to be able to give somebody that opportunity. So it, it in many ways is a win-win situation. Yeah, no, Alan, you've, uh, You've spent a lot of time in this space. Uh, maybe you can touch on that um, as you, what you're seeing across Pennsylvania, not just with Flagger Force. Yeah, um, we had a lot of good, and thank you for for being part of the conversation, Jen. A um, lot of good uh, efforts and and things happening pre-pandemic uh, in terms of of criminal justice reform and and reentry hiring. Um, obviously, the pandemic's affected that, but something Jen said earlier. Uh, is so true. As I talk to the companies that are hiring the re-entrants, the two things I hear more than anything is they're harder working than anybody. Uh, actually, I had one member tell me um, his re-entry hires take a, a job more seriously than most new hires um, and are willing to do the extra work that some employees wouldn't be. Um, and the other thing is the loyalty, like Jen mentioned. You know, Most of us have the privilege of saying, when a job gets tough or we don't like it anymore, we can go somewhere else. Um, you know, these these folks, most of them haven't been given an opportunity. Um, one of my favorite quotes, I actually saw it in one of another state chambers magazines was nothing stops a bullet faster than a job. Um, you know, if you give someone an opportunity when no one else would, they're going to be loyal um, and stick with you through thick or thin because they appreciate that catch. Um, so, you know, if, if retention's an issue, uh, and, and you're still doing the same hiring that you've been doing for the past decade, maybe you should look into hiring re-entrance and, and seeing how that helps you. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, supply and demand, right. As Jen mentioned, uh, you gotta get creative mm -hmm. and it sounds like Flyer Force has found a way to not just get creative, but to build a, build a loyal, um, employee base, which is fantastic. And I think it's something that, it's oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say something Jen said earlier about getting the truck. Um, I actually spoke with Dorinda recently, the, the workforce development person at the State Department of Corrections. Um, and she said for our reentry community, transportation is the greatest barrier. Um, so even if they get a job, transportation might be an issue. Um, and Flagger Force has solved that barrier for their reentry hires by connecting them to someone with the truck who can pick them up, get them to work. And then eventually they have the option to get the truck uh, to get to and from work. Um, so they figured out how to, as a business, remove that barrier. So amazing work you guys are doing. I'm so proud to be affiliated with you. Jen Allen just touched on um, the Department of Corrections and you have formed, uh, Flagger Force has formed a pretty unique partnership with the Department of Corrections. Could you speak on that a little bit and, and some of the work you're doing specifically with removing barriers? Yeah. So um, when we really started to get into this space and try to figure out how do we connect 
with um, reentrants or people that are looking for job opportunities, we connected initially with the Department of Corrections and more or less just made a phone call and was like, hey, this is what we're doing or this is what we want to do more of. How can you help us? And um, so they came and uh, a group of individuals um, came from, from the Department of Corrections. We sat down, had a great meeting and, uh, and really formed a partnership. And that has made such a difference. And then we, from there, we were able to obviously connect with the Pennsylvania Chamber and built a really strong partnership uh, with you. And that has made a strong difference. And it's once you kind of get into space, everybody's willing to help everybody else. It's just about building those connections um, and finding out who do I need to talk to that can help me with whatever aspect um, it is. So the Department of Corrections has connected us with um, uh, halfway houses and um, parole agents and probation um, officers and um, people across the state that have individuals who were formerly incarcerated or had some sort of legal issues that are looking for employment and they know to reach out to us or we know to reach out to them if we have like a need in a specific town or something like that. So it makes a very symbiotic relationship and um, and we're able to you know find employees relatively quickly. Uh, the benefits that we have found is um, in addition to the partnerships with like with the with the uh, state chamber and with the Department of Corrections is both of them have led us to what we call candidate referral partners. And those are agencies that are helping people who have had challenges in their life, helping them get reacclimated to society, um, helping them with all of the basic life necessities. And they provide uh, training for job readiness. So they help them with job readiness skills, um, whatever that, whatever aspect of that they may need. And that preparedness provides us with candidates who are truly job ready. There's a difference between um, walking out of prison today and getting a job tomorrow versus somebody who has had a period of time where they've had a chance to kind of reacclimate, learn how to be self-sufficient and be ready to take the next step in the career. So I believe that's what's really made us more successful is because we're selecting candidates that we're finding through all of these partnerships that are truly job ready. So Jen, you mentioned that you have all these employees coming together and they're working together. Can, can you speak a little bit about how that works, how that comes about and, and, and what, how you've made that so successful? Sure. So what we've done is we created actually a mentoring program for our workforce development um, individuals. So what that means is we have a, um, a seasoned Flagger Force employee who knows the ropes and currently has a company vehicle, and they serve as a mentor towards um, somebody in our workforce development program. And generally, those are the individuals that have the barriers to employment, whether it's a transportation need or formerly incarcerated or childcare, whatever their circumstances are in life. But um, the, we, we partner the two of them together, generally three to six months, roughly in time frame. And, uh, and the mentor really helps the mentee get acclimated to the company, 
get acclimated to work, you know, what's expected, what it means to be on time, what it means to come to work prepared and help them navigate the job itself. Because there's challenges with any job, you know, there's nuances, things that they need to know. And so now they've got really what becomes a friendship and um, someone to go to, hey, I've got a question. How do I handle this, that, or the other thing? Um, and then the idea is, is that um, once the person graduates from um, being a mentee, they become a traditional employee. And when they're ready, they get to pay it forward by becoming a mentor for the next employee coming in. And they can say, I was where you were six months ago, you know, nine months ago, whatever the case may be. And, uh, and that has really made a difference. I think the key, what you just said, Jen, is not only are you giving someone an opportunity, you're, you're providing them a mentor who's been in their shoes. You know, hey, I've been where you were. I know this is, um, you know, uh, a hard place to be right now, um, but you can do this. I've done it. Um, and then you're giving them a pathway. So not only do they have an opportunity and a point person in the company who's been where they are, but now they can see the opportunity in the future as well, a career pathway with the company. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you for calling me brilliant, Alan. I will, uh, I'm glad this is recording so I can remember that at one point somebody thought I was really smart. <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness though, um, this, uh, this project has really given us a lot of lessons um, about humanity and what it takes, what it means to be a good employer. Um, we always felt like we did a, a, a good job of taking care of our employees, but we didn't recognize the impact we were able to have until we started this workforce development program. Uh, we have learned so much through this process. And, um, you know, we went through a lot of um, interesting things in the beginning. You know, we, we weren't sure how our employees would respond when we said that we wanted to hire people that may have a criminal background. We weren't sure how our customers would respond. Uh, we work a lot with utilities. And so we had to um, work with them and say, you know, is this okay? Are we allowed on your contract to be able to do this? Um, and some of those contracts, we had to get language changed and, and go through um, legal aspects. Um, and then, we, you know, there was preconceived notions people have of what, um, second chance individuals might be like, are they going to be violent people? Are they going to be angry people? Are they um, going to be a bad influence on our employees? And um, what we found is nothing could be further from the truth that um, these job ready people really just want to get past this horrible time in their life that, you know, they don't want to have to lead with the worst thing that they've ever done and every discussion that they have. And nobody wants to do that, right? So if you think about that, we all have some cringeworthy moment in our own lives. Something that we really don't wanna talk about in front of our parents or our kids or we're not proud of and um, we really wish we hadn't done that. Um, you know, whatever it is, maybe there's relationships we've lost because of a decision that we made or words we said or an action we did. 
But if that's what you had to lead every job interview with was, well, so tell me about this horrible time in your life and why you did that. Um, it's really tough, you know, and it beats you down and it's repetitive and you start to become defined by your that one action or that one event as opposed to who you are as an individual and the the potential you have to overcome. So we felt like that's what we wanted to focus on is your future. Okay, you did this, but you are not that thing. You are this human being who has potential and who believes in yourself. We believe in you. We want to connect to you an opportunity so that you can grow with us. And people have really embraced that. Um, we found that uh, our employees, when we were concerned how they might react, that was even more than the ones we had already surveyed were like, I was there too. You know, 20 years ago, I had a situation and you guys probably don't even know about this, but let me tell you. And um, we, we were surprised at how many people had connections to the second chance community, whether it was themselves or the family members. Uh, they, there was a lot of connection and a lot of appreciation that we were willing to take a chance on people. Um, we've learned through our department, uh, our partnership with the Department of Corrections, that the number one cause of recidivism is unemployment. So the greatest way to keep people out of prison or going from going back into prison is to help them get a job. There are 20,000 people who enter prison each year in the state of Pennsylvania, and it costs $42,000 a year per inmate to keep them incarcerated. So if you can prevent them from going into the system in the first place or prevent them from reentering the system, now you are saving tax dollars, you are improving the community, um, it, you're creating a more stable family unit. You've got pride in your community. I mean, there's so many positive things that can happen. It's completely worth rolling the dice and saying, I'm going to take a chance. Um, we have found retention rates among our second chance uh, individuals and our workforce development um, group as significantly higher than our traditional employees. They are, um, they're more loyal, they're more committed, they, um, they have a sense of pride in their job, and that creates a sense of pride within our, um, our teams, our, our current staff. So ultimately, it is a, a big win across the board. What I love about what you said, Ma'am, is uh, the human aspect. You know, when we label someone re-entry candidate, ex-offender, all of a sudden it takes away that humanness. Um, and, and that's what labels do. Um, but, but yeah, this is a human being who's looking for an opportunity. Um, and if they're given the opportunity, just like you said, they're going to work hard and they're going to be loyal because they don't want to go back to where they came from. Um, that's, I love it. Well, and the other thing, Alan, is, um, and I know you know this, is where they came from, um, you know, we haven't been in their shoes, right? So who gets to decide what's a rational choice? If you have to decide between, you know, feeding your children 
or, you know, doing, doing some sort of illegal activity to make money, let's say, um, you know, and, and that's the only way you're going to be able to feed them and, or going to be able to protect them. You're likely to make those extreme choices when put in those decision, uh, you know, situations. Um, so are we, are we right to be even casting judgment, right? It gets very philosophical very quickly. Um, and, uh, so when you look at people at, you know, how they wound up in the situations or circumstances that they did, it's often, um, environmental aspects or, um, you know, situations that were beyond their own control as to why they wound up where they were and why things happened the way they did. It's very, you know, that has its own level of complexity. And um, when you think about it, if that was me, you know, would I have done something similar? And it's it's very possible you might have. Um, the other thing that we did um, to help our recruiters think about things differently is that we sat down and we said, what if you couldn't say no to a candidate? What if you couldn't say no to anybody? If you had to look at everybody as a potential, um, as, as a true hire? How would you how would you reframe your thinking? And um, and that helped our, our recruitment team just sort of reshape and, and look at people a little bit differently. Um, we talked a lot about empathy, you know, think and feel into someone else's experience so that you can understand uh, where they're coming from and why they maybe made some of the decisions that they've made. The ultimate thing I would like to just point out as um, as we wrap this up is that this is a business decision, right? So even though this feels good, we are solving a business problem. We have a challenge. We need employees. We have more demand than we have people to fill it. We need to find good people. And this is a resource, a, a pocket of good people that are just sitting there looking for opportunities that employers can easily overlook. And so I just encourage people to take advantage of that population. Um, you know, there's rough, you know, I said there's 20,000 people that go into the system in Pennsylvania every year. There's about the same number that come out. We're not going to flag our force as much as we need people. We're not going to hire 20,000 of them in a year. So, you can share. There's extra people out there. There's available candidates for everybody. And um, and I think that that's a great opportunity for so many businesses across the state. And actually, since you mentioned it, I did, like I said earlier, spoke with Dorinda recently. She actually has a list and she can find. So if a company wants to reach out and and hire or interview some of these candidates, she has a list of how many are in each county ready to work uh, on parole. Um, and and there's active job seekers right now, thousands of them across the state uh, that Dorinda's trying to help them find jobs. Um, so if your company's looking for folks, it, she has that list. She, she can help you find them right now. Absolutely. Dorinda Hammerland is your uh, secret sauce for sure. <laughs> Jen, you've created this highly successful program, and all of a sudden, the coronavirus pandemic has come upon us this year, and it's affected every industry uh, in the state and, you know, obviously throughout the country. 
moving forward, how do you see Flagger Force moving forward with the program in the post-pandemic um, environment? It was tough initially, um, obviously with any, every business there was, you know, back in March, it was overnight changes that everybody had to make. Um, and there were more questions than answers. Nobody kind of knew, you know, does it, does the virus live on a surface or is it only when you talk to people, all kinds of questions. And so there was instantly a lot of fear, um, and, um, and a lot of unknowns. So fear is natural when there's unknowns. So we had to, uh, we put a pause on the program at that point because um, employees were scared to have someone else in their vehicle with them. So uh, we felt like we needed to, you know, pause things and take, um, take some cautionary measures. Uh, we also experienced a, a slowdown in business just like everybody else. So we didn't have such high needs for employees at the time. Um, after about a couple of months, it was maybe June, I believe, we were able to get the program back up and running again. And we had, once we had kind of figured out how to get people working together um, and, and how to, to safely um, partner them. So, so really, all of, it, it only impacted that the workforce development program for a short period of time. Um, obviously, we still deal with challenges it, when there's somebody gets sick or whatever the, the case may be. It's just a little bit more um, orchestrating, puppet mastering, if you will, where, you know, kind of shifting person person A to person B to person C to person D, you know, uh, and, and that's just kind of, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the curtain that you don't see, but, um, but we managed to pull it all off. It's just, it is a little bit hectic sometimes. Yeah. Did you, so did you, uh, when the pandemic hit, did you have like a kind of like a big slowdown and then a quick ramp up? Um, sort of, yes, I would say if we had a, we had like a, it was like a vehicle, like if you hit the brakes really hard and then it was like slowly getting back up to speed and then all of a sudden you're back on 283 and flying down the roadway again, you know? <laughs> I can imagine for a, for an HR person uh, trying to, get, you got to communicate with your employees and you got to make sure they're still engaged in, in an uncertain time when you don't know when the, when we're going to get back to work or, or what that workload is going to be like. That must have been incredibly challenging. Yeah, Um well, because the hours are unpredictable, um, the work demand was unpredictable, and then the communication, you know, we're trying to follow guidelines from multiple states. We're trying to follow federal CDC guidelines. Sometimes those things contradict one another. Um, and we have we had employees sometimes that that live or hover right on state lines. And, you know, I mean, it just it gets to be real. It gets complicated quickly, for sure. And I, like I said, I know we're not the only business that was going through. Everyone had their own unique challenges, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, at the chamber, we, of course, uh, you know, we, we were at the center of a lot of that trying to help and get in, you know, get information to everybody, despite the unique challenges. So we, we can certainly empathize with, uh, with that situation. But um, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, like employees crossing state lines and having different because we're so focused on Pennsylvania, you have you have to deal with employees that have you know maybe someone's allowed to leave their house, maybe someone's not, mm -hmm. um, you know. But 
you know, there, there's probably some good that came out of this. Like, I think we're all as a business community, a little bit more prepared for what, what can come our way next. We have the, the policies and procedures. And even as we see like numbers going up, uh, it's not quite as chaotic as it was at the beginning. Yeah, I think um, collectively, we're all a bit more prepared. We're all we've all got our, our skin got thicker. We can we right. other storms maybe a little bit better than we could previously. We can accept um, the unknown a little bit more easily because we're like, ah, I went through that. I can handle this, you know. Yeah, I remember um, my my the, the first time I took my children to Disney World, my wife got sick. And I was terrified. I'm like, I had to take three kids to Disney by myself for a whole day. But once I did that, <laughs> I mean, come on, parenthood, whatever you can throw at me, I can handle it uh, getting through that day. So, uh, you didn't yeah, lose any kids, you were good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Same thing, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, well, there's some good news coming your way. You guys had a pretty prestigious uh, award nomination. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, we received a nomination for um, with the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce and through their foundation for our efforts through, uh, with our workforce development program. And um, my understanding is is that there was you know people nominated across the country, uh, and we were able to become one of the top three finalists, which was a huge, huge honor. Um, I mean. You hear people like at the Academy Awards and things like that say like, oh, it's just such an honor just to be nominated. And, you know, you kind of roll your eyes like, do I believe them or not? But holy cow, in this instance, we we really felt like little fish in a huge pond. Um, the two companies we were against are both global organizations um, that probably have more money to invest in their charitable pursuits than we make in a year, you know, like they, they're a huge company yeah. and I'm not trying to diminish them by any stretch. I'm just saying we were like, wow, I can't believe um, the U S chamber thinks that, you know, we are um, serving to the level that we could, you know, be in their company. So it really was a big honor to be nominated. To be, to be recognized by the United States Chamber of Commerce for this level of an award is a true uh, credit to your organization. It's something you should be very proud of. I know the PA Chamber was very proud when we saw the news. Um, that really is a, a big deal. So uh, full credit to you and your team, Jen. That's that's quite thank, an honor. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate that. We, we were definitely virtually high-fiving here um, at being a finalist. That was That was a thrill. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jen. I think um, a lot of businesses that are going to be listening to this are going to get a lot from uh, hopefully the, a lot of takeaways. I know for me, um, you know, you've certainly inspired me to think like, you know, we have to think creatively. We have to think differently, no matter what the challenges are that come our way. And uh, 2020 has been a year of challenges. And um, thank you so much for for your thought leadership in, the, in that area and uh, sharing with us everything that Flagger Force has done. Well, thank you for having me, Rick and Adam and Alan. It's always my pleasure to uh, spend time with you and have, be able to have a conversation with you. Um, this, this has been uh, very enjoyable. And um, I hope that everybody has a very safe, happy and healthy holiday season. So thank you.
Thank you, Jen. It's wonderful to work with you. Always a pleasure to see you. Can't wait to see you in person again. And, uh, and uh, thank you for your support of the PA Chamber. You're more than welcome. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to the All Business Podcast from the Pennsylvania Chamber. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. With almost 10,000 member organizations, the Pennsylvania Chamber advocates for job creation and greater prosperity across the Commonwealth. Visit our website at pachamber.org to learn more about us, our members, and how to become part of the statewide voice of business. We'll see you next time. This program is produced by the Pennsylvania Chamber in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, USA. Copyright 2020.